Hi, and welcome to the Living Room Scripture Lessons. My name is Brad Constantine, and this podcast series is going to be about the book of Genesis. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to, to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. If you're interested in a deep analysis of the book of Genesis, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy what you hear here, and if you have any questions, you can share, link, and subscribe. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Genesis podcast. This is Brad Constantine, and this discussion is going to be regarding Genesis chapter 11. Now, to summarize this one, this is about the Tower of Babel and about the confounding of the languages. And uh, I thought that there might be some interesting things in here for us to uh, discuss. Orson Pratt said, The people being of one language gathered together to build a tower to reach, as they supposed, the crystallized heavens. They thought that the city of Enoch was caught up a little ways from the earth and that the city was within the first sphere above the earth and that if they could get a tower high enough, they might get to heaven where the city of Enoch and the inhabitants thereof were, were located. Tradition credits Joseph Smith with the statement that the heaven they had in view was the translated city. Uh, From Josephus, he says, uh, Nimrod persuaded the people not to ascribe their their prosperity to God as if it was through his means they were happy. He also said he would be revenged on God if he should have a mind to drown the world again, for that he would build a tower too high for the waters to be able to reach, and that he would avenge himself on God for destroying their forefathers. Now the multitude were very ready to follow the the determination of Nimrod and to esteem it a piece of cowardice to submit to God, and they built a tower. Hugh Nibley says uh, that Nimrod was bent on avenging his ancestors' death by engaging God in an archery match and was building the tower high enough to shoot his arrows into heaven. In this state of spiritual rebellion, the Lord didn't send rain but confusion, hence the meaning of the name Babel in Hebrew. Literally, the Lord changed their language from the unity of Adam's tongue to a jumble of unintelligible speech from which our modern multiplicity of languages stems. I want you to be thinking about, you know, is this uh, condition of all these different languages going to change, going to reverse itself sometime? Chapter 11, verse 1, And the whole earth was of the same language and of the same speech. And it came to pass that many journeyed from the east, And as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there in the plain of Shinar. And they said one to another, Come, go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had slime, or bitumen, for mortar. And they said, Come, go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach high unto heaven. Whose top thereof... Uh, I'm sorry, whose top will be high, nigh unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. According to some modern commentators, the building of the tower was an example of man's extreme pride in his own ability. The building became such an obsession that according to the Midrash, when a builder fell off the tower to his death, the, the other builders paid no attention, but when a brick fell, they would cry, when shall another come in its place? According to this interpretation, every generation has its own Tower of Babel when it begins to idolize its technology. The moral of the story is thus as applicable today as it was thousands of years ago. And that's from the Encyclopedia Judaica Jr. 
Alfred Edersheim said of the phrase, uh, let us make us a name, uh, he said this, a German critic has seen in the words, let us make us a name, in Hebrew, sheen, a kind of counterfeit of the Shem, in whom the promises of God centered, or if one might so express it, the setting up of an antichrist of worldly power. So that's what appears to be going on here when they says, make us a name, he's, this is an antichrist um, to do that's going on here. Something of this kind seems certainly indicated in what God says of the attempt and when we get to verse 6. So um, what they're doing here is they're, they're taking upon themselves a name other than Christ, other than the covenant um, family, which is Shem. Verse 5, And the Lord came down, beholding the city and the tower, which the children of men were building. And the Lord said, Behold, the people are the same, and they all have the same language. And this tower they begin to build, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined. So they're, they're building their own kingdom instead of building the kingdom of God, which is against God's commandments. Verse 7, Except I, the Lord confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So I, the Lord, will scatter them abroad from thence upon all the face of the land, and unto every quarter of the earth. And they were confounded, and they left off to build the city, and they hearkened not unto the Lord. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord was displeased with their works, and did there confound uh, the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face thereof. The Book of Mormon shows that the actual confounding of the languages may not have been an, an instantaneous thing, but may have happened over an unknown length of time. Jared asked his brother to call upon the Lord and request that their language be not confounded. This request was granted. Then Jared asked his brother to plead that the language of their friends stay the same as theirs. This request, too, was granted. These events imply that the confounding of the languages did not happen in an instant. And that's from the Old Testament manual. And then verse 10, uh, we begin some genealogy here, and these are the and these were the generations of Shem, and so then they go to list uh, the the names of the families here, um, and then down to verse 26, Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, and so now we have uh, Abraham showing up here in the in the narrative, um, and then down to verse 28, and Haran died uh, before his father Terah in the land. This is a brother to uh, Abraham. In the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees, and Abraham and Na Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, she bare no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son's his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to to go into the land of Canaan, and they came into Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So let's go back a little bit and discuss the, some more about the, the tower. Um, again, this is from Alfred Edersheim, who wrote uh, significantly about the Old Testament in the early part of the 1900s. Uh, he says, Of the magnificence of Babel, the capital of the, of the empire of Nimrod, <coughs> The mighty hunter, it is difficult to convey an adequate conception without entering into details foreign to our purpose, but some idea of it may be formed from its extent, which according to the lowest computation covered no less than 100 square miles, 
or about five times the size of London, while the highest computation would make it cover 200 square miles or 10 times the extent of London. Such was the world city, the first beginning of which at least Nimrod had founded. No wonder that the worldly pride of that age should have wished to make such a place the world capital of a world empire, whose tower may reach unto heaven. The events connected with the discomfiture of their plan took place in the days of Peleg, the grandson of Shem, as Peleg was born 100 years after the flood and lived 239 years. There must have been already a considerable population upon the earth. If evidence were required that the flood had indeed destroyed sinners, but not sin, it would be found in the bearing and language of men in the days of Nimrod and Peleg. After leaving the ark, they had journeyed eastward till they reached the extensive, well-watered plain of Shinar, where they settled, being still all of one language and of one speech, they resolved to build themselves there, a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven, for the twofold purpose of making themselves a name, and lest they be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Such words read singularly, like those which a Nimrod would employ, and they breathed the spirit of Babylon in all ages. Assuredly, their meaning is, let us rebel, for not only would the divine purpose of peopling the earth have thus been frustrated, but such a world empire would in the nature of it uh, have been a defiance to God and to the kingdom of God, even as its motive was pride and ambition. Uh, the, these words, meaning um, let us make us a name, imply that the building of Babel was only intended as the commencement of a further course of rebellion. The gathering of all material forces into one common center would have led to universal despotism and to universal idolatry. In short, to the full development of what an antichrist is reserved for the judgment of the last days. We read that Jehovah came down to see the city and the tower, that is, using our human modes of expression, to take judicial cognizance of man's undertaking. In allusion to the boastful language in which the builders of Babel and of its tower had, in their self-confidence, stated their purpose, go to, let us make brick, etc., Jehovah expressed his purpose of, of defeating their folly using the same words, go to, let us go down, and there confound their language. And by this simple means, without any outward visible interference, did the Lord arrest the grandest attempt of man's rebellion, and by confounding their language, scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, or confusion. What a commentary does this history afford to the majestic declarations of the second psalm. Of the Tower of Babel, no certainly ascertained remains have yet as, as yet been discovered. It has commonly been identified with the ruins called Birs Nimrud, about six miles to the southwest of the site of ancient Babylon. Uh, Birs Nimrud is a pyram pyramidical mound crowned apparently by the ruins of a tower rising to the height of 155 and a half feet above the level of the plain, and in circumference somewhat more than 2,000 feet. Its distance from Babylon, however, seems opposed to the idea that these are the ruins of the tower spoken of in Scripture. But even so, Beers Nimrod can only be a few centuries younger than the Tower of Babel, and its construction enables us to judge what the appearance of the original tower must have been. Beers Nimrod faced northeast and formed a sort of oblique pyramid built in seven receding stages. The platform on which these stages rested was of crude brick. The stages themselves of burnt brick painted in different colors in honor of gods or planets, each stage as it was placed on the other receding so as to be considerably nearer the back of the building or the southwest. The first stage painted black in honor of Saturn, 
was a square of 272 feet and 26 feet high. The second stage, orange colored in honor of Jupiter, was a square of 235, uh, 30 feet and 26 high. The third stage, bright red in honor of Mars, was a square of 185, uh, 188 feet and also 26 high. The fourth stage, golden for the sun, was 146 feet square and 15 high. The fifth stage, pale yellow for Venus, was 104 feet square and 15 high. The sixth stage, dark blue for Mercury, was 62 feet square and 15 high. And the seventh stage, silver for the moon, was 20 feet square and 15 high. The hole was surmounted by a chapel, which must have nearly covered the whole top. The whole height, as already stated, was 153 feet, or about one-third that of the Great Pyramid of Egypt, which measures 480 feet. It is also interesting to notice how exactly what we know of early Babylonian architecture tallies with what we read in scriptures. Let us make brick and burn them thoroughly, and they had brick for stone and slime, or rather bitumen, had they for mortar. The small burnt bricks laid in bitumen are still there, not only in the tower, but in the still existing ruins of the ancient palace of Babel, which was coeval with the uh, building of the, of the city itself. Holy Scripture does not inform us whether the tower was allowed to stand after the dispersion of its builders, nor nor yet does it furnish any details as to the manner in which Jehovah did there confound the language of all the earth. All this would have been beyond its purpose, but there, at the very outset, when the first attempt was made to found, in man's strength, a vast kingdom of this world, which God brought to naught by confounding the language of its builders, and by scattering them over the face of the earth, we see a typical judgment of which the counterpart in blessing was granted on the day of Pentecost, when, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, another universal kingdom was to be founded. The first token of which was that gift of tongues, which pointed forward to a reunion of the nations when the promise would be fulfilled that they should all be gathered into the tents of Shem. And so here we have Edersheim saying that in the last days and at the, during the millennium that all the languages will, will revert back to the, uh, the language of Adam. And that we'll all know the language uh, then. We'll be able to learn that language quite easily, in fact. Uh, he mentions here about the languages being um, spoken during the day of Pentecost when uh, those that were there spoke in tongues and were able to understand the different languages that were being spoken. And uh, that uh, the reversal of the confounding of the languages will occur again, uh, either in our day or during the millennium period. I bear testimony of the truth of these things and that as we study these scriptures that we might gain a better understanding of the, the things of God so that we might uh, understand how we fit into all of, the, all of this and to make sure that we don't rebel like these, these people did here. Uh, and I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you like this, you can share it, like it, subscribe. Thanks. Bye.